Good morning. I am Lauren Anders Brown, an independent documentary filmmaker. Being behind the camera in over 40 countries has resulted in hours, days, terabytes of footage. So much of what happens to make a shoot possible ends up on the metaphorical cutting room floor. Most of my editing used to take place in planes, trains, or whatever available coffee shop had a decent filter single origin coffee and always using the hashtag today's office. Now I am picking up the scraps, reviewing old interviews, and scrolling through my social media to give you a behind the scenes look at what it is like to travel, produce, film, direct, record, alone as my own correspondent. This episode brings us on my first trip to Sierra Leone in February 2014. I was there to produce an episode of my first documentary series called The World Cup Project about how football, or soccer, is used as a tool to create social change in countries around the world. I was the creator and producer of the series, and still young in my directing career, and wanted to share the opportunity to direct episodes while I produced and shot the entire series. This month's podcast episode is made in memory of the person who directed the filming in Sierra Leone with me, Robert Coleman, who passed away last month. I was sitting on the plane in Ethiopia where I had missed my connection due to a delayed flight. And despite a very distressed woman who was missing her father's funeral, we were told under no circumstances could the flight have been held the additional half hour for us to make our connection. It resulted in an overnight in Addis, and me without luggage, and still some lingering illness from India. My evening in Ethiopia was uneventful, save for the nightclub below me, that made me feel, despite my uncomfortable field position I was in, I was enjoying an evening out. When I arrived back at the airport and boarded the plane, I still wasn't feeling my best, and I was anxious to get going and filming in Sierra Leone after missing a day of the schedule. We were sat on the plane for an additional half hour. I asked one of the flight attendants why we weren't taking off, concerned there was a mechanical issue. But she kindly replied that we were delayed due to passengers arriving on another delayed flight that needed to make their connection. You know the classic cartoon characters that boil with anger so much their face grows completely red and steam comes out of their ears? I don't think a human will ever come as close to portraying those cartoon characters as I did in that very moment. The attendant did her best to try to calm me down, offering me food, although I was still unable to eat anything. It was just that kind of day. I arrived in Sierra Leone at the airport, exhausted and starving with my appetite finally returning after my stomach settled ready to be greeted by my director and the team I was filming with. I was confused when I realized I hadn't yet reached Freetown. Oh, I had to take an open-top powerboat 40 minutes to reach Freetown. I was so grateful my stomach had settled at that point. Once I finally had my feet on the ground in Freetown, it was then another couple hours to drive to the main area along the coast we'd be filming in called Tumbo Town. I awoke my first morning, not due to any expected jet lag or illness, 
but to the sound of someone reading from a Bible over a loudspeaker that reverberated off the mountains behind us. I learned that morning, first over some bananas for breakfast, that early morning broadcast was made by the Sermonator, or at least that's what he's referred to. During the brutal civil war in Sierra Leone, where neighbors turned on each other and child soldiers were recruited at times, the Sermonator would be the steadfast announcement that would keep the faith for many people. I was told he saw it as a Christian version of the call to prayer. Only if you've ever heard a call to prayer, which you do here in Sierra Leone, it's quite melodic and calming. The Sermonator, on the other hand, gawks out erratic selected readings at arbitrary times before the sun rises and sounds like a squeaky school announcement. It, it is a more effective alarm clock than a rooster, and that's for sure. While most of the filming took place in Tombo, we had one day where we went a bit further into Sierra Leone. Along the way, there was a suspension bridge we had to wait to cross, as only one vehicle at a time could fit over it. Once it was our turn, we got halfway across when a car on the other side chose not to wait their turn and met us in the middle of the bridge where both of our vehicles were forced to stop facing each other. Our driver, Mr. K, got out of the car to approach the other car and ask them to back up. Mr. K was a good driver, in my opinion, for the conditions of the roads. One road we drove on in particular was all dirt with tons of rocks, and it was a serious skill to not send us sliding over the edge or to get stuck. So he was the best placed person to negotiate our passage across the bridge, or so I thought. The other driver was unwilling to move, claiming he had just as much of a right to cross as we did, and we should back up regardless of the alternating turns people took to cross the bridge. 25 minutes of intense yelling and sweating in the car, with Mr. K's phone ringing again and again with his odd ringtone of the BBC broadcast reporting from the Civil War, the rebels have taken Freetown. All on this Indiana Jones-style bridge had me wonder, what was the weight load of it, truly? And how much longer were we going to be keeping our contributors? And then a miracle happened. The women in the passenger seats of each car exited, discussed amongst themselves, and settled the situation. The other car backed up, and we were on our way to McKenney to meet Rabiatu, a 16-year-old football player for the local team Malimba Queens. Once we chased away the baby goat that was making the interview nearly unusable with its cries, we got to hear from Rabiatu and the stakes at hand for young female footballers in Sierra Leone. <laughs> Sorry. Get rid of it. <laughs> it's so I thought, cute though. I thought that was a child. <laughs> Otherwise we just have this noise. <laughs> Bye. Chase it away, Santos. Chase it. Do you want that question again? Yeah, I think so. Yeah? So sorry, because the... Make it go away, Santos. Go on, run after it. It's your, it's your strength and conditioning for the day, is to run after this okay. goat. Oh, it's gone. Okay, um, so you answered that really well. So just again, what subjects are you doing at school? And which ones do you enjoy? And maybe what do you hope to do with that in the future? How will that education help you? I'm offering nine subjects. But the favorite one I like is 
business management, commerce, English language, financial accounting, and economics. But the one that I like most, business management. I like it because I want to become a manager in the future. And do you, do you think girls can be good managers? Yes. Because most managers are men, so why can girls be good managers? Girls can be managers. When girls be managers, they can admire them more than the men. Um, Malimba Queens has been very successful in the last two years. You've won two national finals. Yes. Yes. Why are you so successful? What makes Malimba Queens a successful girls team? We used to train every day. Our, our coaches used to encourage us to go to the field to train hard and we used to respect time laws so that we become successful. Okay. Fair play is very important for Craig Bellamy League. Playing fairly, yeah? What does it mean to be playing fairly for you? For Malimba Queens, what does fair play mean for you? I don't understand. Um, so to stop, to not get your red cards or yellow cards in a match? I've never got any You've never got one? Yes. Are you good on that? Is everyone good in Malimba Queens? Yes, we respect the, the laws. So why? So why? What makes you good? You respect? What, what we respect, respect all the laws that FIFA said we should respect because our coach used to tell us that she not handball. Whenever someone play a foul, if the referee does not sound the way, she will just continue to play. We used to fight, we used to play peaceful. Even if they defeat us, we used to go peaceful and leave the field. I've heard in McKenney that there used to be problems at boys' matches where people in the crowds would throw stones. With the girls? No, with the boys. Yeah, in, so they used the to do. Yes. But for, uh, as for our team, we never do short things like that. Um, okay, I was going to ask you about community development as well. You talked about sensitising on teenage pregnancy. Yes. Can you tell me a bit more about that? We used to sensitise. Even myself, I'm under, a, under one programme which we call Girls Making Media. We used to call parents and their children come together and we tell them the dangers about teenage pregnancy that they should stop, should not continue, let them take their books serious so that they become somebody in the future. Do you think there will ever be a female president in Sierra Leone? Yes, myself, just because I failed to be an art student. If I was an art student, I should have been be a president of this country, but I fear. I'll always keep an eye out for Rabiatu in the future. Her spirit and straightforward speaking is a hopeful way to end Women's History Month. Hearing from someone who I'm confident will be making her own history in years to come. Speaking of impactful women in history, I want to share an upcoming screening that I'm going to be attending and think you should too. Global Health Film is hosting an online screening of The Tinderbox. Director Gillian Mosley goes on a deeply personal journey as she encounters a wide variety of contemporary voices, including a Palestinian Christian, an Israeli settler in the West Bank, and a political member of Hamas, lead her to reflect that everyone I've met believes they're right. Sounds kind of like the two drivers on the bridge earlier in this episode, right? Anyway, this screening is only in a handful of cinemas with a limited run before May. So wherever you are in the world, get your ticket for the 14th of April at globalhealthfilm.org. 
And that's all for this month. Back next month with more from my own correspondent. Do join me.